0: Welcome to the SwimSwam breakdown. I'm Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. We are joined as normal by Braden Keith, SwimSwam editor in chief, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Loretta Race, our senior international reporter from Kentucky. What's up, guys? How's it going?
1: Will you guys both be my valentines? <laughs> oh God. You,
0: you oh didn't read God. our article? Don't fall in love with the swimmer. You only get half their heart.
1: What? Well, I'm an you're, you're both I'm an slammers. Ex-swimmer. So you're <laughs> yeah. fair game.
0: So true. Yeah. Happy Valentine's mm-hmm. Day, everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah. I have a heart sweater on. You can see the top of the heart. Ooh.
0: Ooh.
2: It's you a black heart. Today? <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: No, no, I know. That was tragic, but you know, it was a good game. It was we fought, we fought hard, so there's next year, you know.
1: Who dat say they're going to beat them Bengals?
2: <laughs> I know. If I hear one more who day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it was a good Super Bowl. It's good Valentine's Day. And now it's about to be a good week in swimming. So, so let's
1: like you watch the football game. talk
0: about too. it. I watched the halftime show. Uh, <laughs> first up, first up, Claire Curzan broke an American record. At a high school meet. I don't think we've seen too many of those, uh, especially like a high school state meet. But she went 49 24 in the 100 yard fly. She also coupled that with a 49 61 100 yard back. What do we think? What do we think of this Kurzan <laughs> performance?
1: Loretta and I are just going to shake our heads for the next 30 <laughs> seconds, and that's going to be our entire response. I, I, you know, I'm excited about this training group they got going. Now she's going to get to train with. Uh, Tori Husk and Reagan Smith at Stanford, and Charlotte Hook, who she already trains with. Um, this is this has got to be the craziest single performance we've seen at a high school meet, right? Like I, I know Ledecky and Conger did some crazy things. Phelps didn't swim high school. I'm trying to think of who else had this caliber of a performance in a single. Maybe Missy team. Franklin, maybe.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if she ever did a yards performance that was that like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not in high school. I mean, like Hoffer at juniors when he went like eighteen. Not at high. That was high school. It wasn't at a high school meet. You're right. You're right. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, high school state meet. This. I think this tops it.
1: Yeah, that's good for. Her.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally crazy. So I was actually what I was looking at was the data on the American record for the for the hundred fly. So Coughlin put it at fifty oh one in two thousand and two. OK, it took until 2015 until Dahlia slash world. I think she was still Dahlia then moved it to forty nine eighty nine. OK, so, yeah. So that's 13 years for it to go like three one hundredths. OK, and now we're talking about, OK, already since 2015, when it dropped under the 50. Now, you know, it's like fourth, fifth, you know, I don't know, four or five swims that are now bringing it down to what she did, which is, what is the time now? 49. What was it?
0: 49.2.
2: Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, it's just, it just, it's it's just like at lightning speed, you know, like it crept, crept, crept. And then now all of a sudden it's like multiple swims.
1: That's what they say, right? That's the, like the threshold theory of human performance. Like somebody breaks (laughs) a barrier and then everybody goes wild. It kind of makes sense. You know, athletes are, we're getting better athletes in the sport and, That means I think that shows up as much underwater as anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, That sort of pure strength and athleticism. Um, So, but
2: she's still only seventeen years old. So it's like you know what I mean.
0: And that's the other thing is that in that event specifically, it's not only dropped in time, but it's dropped in age too. Right? It was you know seniors in college, and then it was kind of like younger swimmers in college, and now it's a high school swimmer. Yeah. Um, who is an Olympian it's, in her own right but <laughs> in that was about that have to been. say?
2: Yes, totally Coleman. That's what I was going to say. It's like she she's so versatile that she can, she's one of those, you know, individuals that can totally translate from yards to meters. I mean, she was a finalist um let's see in the Olympic trial or the Olympics, what was she? What did she finish at in in Tokyo for the 100. 11 11. So she was a semifinalist. So the so she's still totally world class in long course meters on top of short course yards. So just, uh, total talent.
0: <laughs> so excited to see what else we've got from Kersian coming up this year. We've got a lot of big meets. Uh, speaking of a meet that was not supposed to be as big, the Orlando sexual meet turned out to be like our biggest traffic of the weekend because we got to see Caleb Dressel, Michael, Andrew, Natalie Hines, Katie, Ledecky. uh, A slew of big athletes came to play. What was who who impressed you the most this weekend?
1: Got to be Ledecky, right? Dressel was okay. Michael Andrew had another tough meet. Um, You know, we still aren't sure what that means if he's doing more volume. So this is just he's going to have more of a peak and taper. But Ledecky going faster than she was at the Olympics in the in the eight hundred for sure, in the two hundred too, right? Yes. Um, I I don't know exactly what happened in the four hundred. I would have thought she would have been. 358 or something in that. Um, but Still Ledecki- would have
2: taken bronze in Tokyo. Still would have taken bronze in
1: Tokyo. <laughs> okay. It's, it's still February. <laughs> um, but, you know, being faster than she was at the Olympics, especially in the 800 free, that's exciting. Um, you know, that's a big yeah. swim. And, and we know she does that. She swims fast in season. Um, but, you know, she's clearly taking to the Florida training, her closing speed is better than it has been, um, anytime recently. So things are working for her, you know, early on, we saw the yard swims, we weren't really sure what it meant. Um, but now it's like worst case she's in, she's in as good a shape as she was at Stanford and best case she's in way better shape. So, um, I think this is enough to say that at least for now, the, the move was a good decision and, and is working for her.
2: Yep. I totally agree with that. I mean, it's I feel like Michael Andrew for me was slightly disappointing. Um, he time trialed a 100 breast that was one which that's kind of slow. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just kind of slow. So for me, and heavy, then tr-
1: heavy training for a swimmer of his caliber, that's not good. Even if that's I think
2: a, a snake. I think a snake is taking up too much of his time. <laughs> this new python or boa, whatever that thing is.
1: Yeah, Bar- Barabosa. <laughs> oh i don't know it's disgusting
0: Blame but Barb- dressel, don't I mean... throw barbosa into this <laughs>
2: <laughs> so dressel was 49 7 2189, a little bit better two free 149 eh. i don't know oh. like so livecky of those was the total star of the show
0: i agree and to me to me the interesting thing is like dressel we've seen him in season before we kind of know what to expect these times seem pretty much on par for him during training. Right. But Michael Andrew, we've never seen him swim this slow in season. So it's kind of like, what does that mean? Is, is, Mm -hmm. is like Brayden said, is he in training or is, is something else going on? What's, you know, what's going on there. It's hard. It's harder to analyze. Uh, I also liked Natalie Hines' times, she was super close, you know. She threw down really respectable hunter fly, hunter free, fifty free times. Um, I thought that was exciting to see her in her new training base as well, looking pretty good. Two hundred free too. I think she broke. She was like two double o,
1: Pretty solid. Good for her. Yeah, What yeah. We see are 148 or something in yards a couple of weeks ago. So two double O in long course is an improvement on that for sure.
0: In other postgraduate news, uh, Longhorn Townley Haas announced his retirement. Uh, Brayden, what, what did you make of Townley Haas's uh, career now that it is officially over?
1: You know, I it, he had such an interesting career arc because he missed most of his senior year of high school. If everybody remembers that, he was on this crazy trajectory, and then. You know, there was sort of this sense that he was a breakout at Texas, um, which he really wasn't. It was just felt like that because he had missed a year that would have otherwise been a very good year for him based on his trajectory. Um, so, you know, he, it felt for a while he like he was going to be the guy that got the Americans uh, back in the conversation for the 200 free internationally. Um you know, maybe a 144 low when 144 low was definitely going to win gold. And he never really quite got there. Um, you know, he kind of just hovered around the the fringes at, you know, his best was a 145. in 2017, it looked like maybe after Rio, he was, gonna, he was turning that corner and he was, was he the first guy to go 129 in the 200 free in yards? Uh, yes. So it's, you know, <laughs> It's like we were talking about before with the with the no sorry no he wasn't
0: (laughs) Peroni did it leading off the relay and then at that same meet in the individual Townley got the record back
1: right Peroni was the so you know he was he was part of that first group to go one twenty nine and that was a big deal and he we'll we'll always remember him for that certainly Um, the
0: first to go one thirty
1: yeah yeah and when the record had stood for however many years right.
0: Yeah, like 2006 uh, I think. Uh, six or seven but
1: years. you're you're talking yards. I
2: mean, I feel like his his potential in long course meters was was never actually capitalized on. Like I feel like it was never fully realized. I he did pretty terrific in in a uh, Rio, not so great in Tokyo. So he was 12th in the 200 free, but he still got a 144 split on the 800 free relay. Okay, so that's something. And then in short course meters when he was a member of um the Kelly Condors, he still got a 1 40 49 in november 2020 so it's not like tons of time away and he's only 25 i was just really surprised that he retired yeah. i mean he beat, Schaefer, he beat chalmers in in the isl so you know what i mean he's he's got he's got some cred i don't get it it
0: it does it seems like he was still swimming well and still swimming well if he wanted to i i feel like we've seen uh a a lot more than usual Texas pros kind of step away earlier at an earlier age than maybe normal. I feel like maybe the Texas training is hard to maintain once you're not on the college team and don't have that extra. And once you have to become a little more self-motivated as a professional, um, that's my theory at least, Uh, you know, and it's it's not like his events are super easy to train for.
1: We also don't know how much Eddie is working with the pros, right? At you know, at his age, something has to give, and we don't know on an individual level who he is and isn't working with. But we do know that some some of their pros he hasn't been working with, um, so that's probably tough too to to be at Texas but not be training directly under Eddie, even though he's still around. But you know, he's still. When you look at the the numbers, there's not an obvious person that's going to come up and take his spot. You know, that's what
2: I'm going to say. Yeah, that's exactly because he was 146-0, I think, in Tokyo, or I think that's what he was in the semi for 200 free. I mean, there's not tons of people who were totally like just waiting in line to bust him off that. You know what I mean? Like there's like 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 there should be cluster. Given what, okay, Mister 143 at the the Olympics, I know.
1: Given what's happened with the, with the yards, well, it's going to be 143 at the Olympics. Um, given what's happened with yards lately, like it feels like somebody should be knocking on the door. Another American should be knocking on the door of that 144, and nobody really is.
0: I mean, so it'll be interesting to see how people respond after this Olympics, right? Because, like you said, Braden, we've seen it happen in yards a lot. But then in this Olympics, it felt like it finally started to happen where we saw two 144 twos and then a 144 six and, and then a 144 six, not even metal. Right. And so it's like, okay, finally, maybe we'll start making some headway internationally at what big meets. In this event. Americans. Right. <clears throat> so we'll see. We'll see. In the ISL last year, Townley only made $21,000 and without any Olympic hardware from Tokyo, you know, that kind of makes it tough tini- financially uh, for him to support himself for uh, he's newly married as well for him to support his wife. You know, that's it's, it's not much to go off of. Speaking of the ISL, uh, we reported this week that Caitlin Sandino resigned as the GM for the D.C. Trident. It's not looking great for the ISL. That's the second GM we've seen resign, I think, in a week. Um, what, what do we make of this decision or this announcement?
1: You know, Caitlin, the way Caitlin described it, um, she's not an owner and and we've been led to believe that most of the original GMs were had ownership stakes in their teams and she is not. Um, and the way she made it sound, basically she was looking for the stability of a job outside of the ISL. And so she's gotten a job outside of swimming, doesn't leave her time to do the ISL anymore. Um, and you know, the stability means a couple of things. It means getting paid on time. It means confidence that the league is going to continue and she's going to continue to be paid into the future. Um, it's, these are you know, Rob Woodhouse maybe doesn't have the same financial pressures because he's doing very well from his agency business, but you know, it's the same sort of lack of confidence. And I think, you know, the ISL is really in a transition right now. They've brought in Ben Allen. Um, who has been very successful in a lot of arenas and they've given him some latitude to change some things. We, as we said last week, we still haven't seen a lot of that change, but you know, it's, I don't blame these old GMs for, for losing faith, right? Like you've spent three years on this and it's starting. If you go into year four, year five, year six, and it's not really going to make it, it's to the point where you're, you're sacrificing developing another career right like you're you're missing out on years that could be spent developing a different career um for this league that you just may or may not have confidence in based on what you've seen and and so I
2: we're think the GM so are they a salaried position or what kind of money are we
1: talking they are but you know we've heard different stories about whether they get paid whether they get paid equally who gets what who's who's an okay. owner and who's not it's all it's 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 all part of the ISL black box, right? Um, (laughs) We we know what we know and we know what we think we know. And some things we think we know turns out weren't ever true in the first place. Um, But, you know, I think Caitlin from, when I talked to GM, she was one of the ones who really gets it who understands the amount of kind of the attention to detail you need to put into things like the draft. She's she, she has a great camera presence, Um, which the league desperately needs because they have a lot of people on camera who just kind of annoy the fans and, and Caitlin's Caitlin knows how to talk in front of the camera. She says interesting things, which is pretty rare for an ISL broadcast. So, you know, it hurts them from a perspective, I think of what she brings as a GM, but also just what she brings as sort of an association with the league. Um, They, you know, it's going to tell us a lot about who they get to replace Rob Hood at house and who they get to replace Caitlin Sandino because they started this thing out saying, you know, we want to be equal between men and women, men and women. We saw a female GM leave replaced with a male. Um, If Caitlin is replaced by a man that they are drifting further and further away from the equality that Loretta, you can roll your eyes all they want, but they said it was, of their ethos. They said this was part of their goal as a sports league. And so they're drifting further and further away from that if they don't replace Caitlin with a woman.
2: No, my my main thing was was Woodhouse said at one time, unless GMs and others who fully understand sport and the commercial landscape are involved in the planning process, there's a difficult road ahead and that's exactly what we're experiencing right now. There there are too many people immersed in swimming and not in business associated with ISL. And that's why it's going to fail.
1: Just because you're a fast swimmer doesn't mean you make a good GM. Doesn't mean you have good ideas. Konstantin yes. grigorishin has shown time and time again, that he has an obsession with Olympic gold medalists. He loves Olympic medalists, um, and i hope I hope he starts to recognize that there's more of that uh, there's there's more that he needs than Olympic gold medalists if he wants this to work
2: mm-hmm.
1: in yep. in his obviously he needs the Olympic gold medalist swimming, but I'm talking about okay. in the management ranks
2: yep and FYI I did hear a rumor that kusuke Kitajima was going to resign from the Tokyo frog Kings. I've reached out to them. I've not heard back yet, so.
1: And that's a big conflict with the Asian games, right? The season overlaps with the Asian games.
2: And and that's another thing. I I do feel like there are, um, I don't know. I feel like with with the Japanese, there's not as many um, of their schedule considerations taken into account. Um, So I think that that is a big factor. So we'll see how that plays out. But
1: I don't know. We talked a lot about the athletes' conflicts, but we haven't talked about – Management conflicts and coach Mm -hmm. conflicts. These coaches all have athletes who are going to be at the world championships. Who's going to coach the ISL teams in late June? If we're still operating under this weird world where they're going to continue with the season without any athletes or any coaches, like I, it's going to be trouble for them. Mm -hmm. They're going to have problems.
2: I
0: do feel like there's still, you know, we've had the world champs announcement. We've had the USA swimming announcement. ISL had their initial announcement, but I still feel like we're kind of waiting for that ball to drop of if they make another announcement about if their schedule is going to change or not.
2: Yeah, I I suspect. Yeah.
0: Because if it doesn't, (laughs) that's going to be a sight to see. So last on our list of main news is Brendan Smith, of australia olympic gold sorry olympic bronze medalist in the 400 IM, moving to griffith and it just looks like that team is stacked and loretta i want to start with you on this one but i mean emma mckeon emily seabomb maybe kaylee kaylee McEwen, which i, I'm, I'm I think brendan smith and kaylee yeah. McEwen are dating so it seems likely <laughs> uh but yeah loretta what do you think about yeah. this move?
2: So I'm thinking that it's it's a it's a love affair that's transcending the pool. I think is what's happening there. So I do think that Brendan has moved specifically because after Chris Mooney left Sunshine Coast, I think that's where she had landed. Ultimately, was with Michael Bull. So there's that. However, I mean this is nothing new. Well, right? Brendan we, we,
1: Brendan's old coach retired, so he had to move one way or the other.
2: Well, he did. He did. Yeah. I mean, and Kaylee, she could have gone. She she could have gone to um. God, where in the hell did that dude go? And they weren't uh, trained at the same bond, club bond. before.
1: Yeah, yeah they yeah. weren't trained yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same club before.
2: Yeah, but I mean, we. So it, it's it's always been a powerhouse team. So twenty percent, okay, of Australia's Tokyo team was from Griffith, okay, and that was before these people moved there. So it's always been a powerhouse. You had Steph Rice before. I mean, Emily Seabom is now there. So it's it's again, it's nothing new. It's just the you know pieces change. People try out new programs after the Olympics. And, you know, we saw Mitch Larkin do it. Um, You know, even we said McEwen did it, um, tried out with bowl and um, gosh, who in the heck else? Boxel, you know what I mean? So she landed there and I think it's a good thing, but I don't think it's anything new. I think he's always been a humongous force in the swimming world in Australia. And I think naturally swimmers gravitate toward him
1: because they see success. I think two things are really interesting about this. One, Australia arguably had their most successful Olympics in swimming. Legit, they did. Almost everybody switched teams, which is strange to me that, you know, (laughs) I get it if it's not working, but everything's working and everybody changed teams. And number two, it feels very much like everybody, like Michael Bull is the safe coach, which doesn't mean he's, not a good coach. He's obviously got the resume that indicates he is a fabulous coach, but he is a known quantity and lots of athletes left coaches who were outside of their accomplishments, lesser known. Chris Mooney is a good example. He, he and Emma McEwen did a lot of great things together. And she left to go to what?
0: Kayla McEwen. What did I say? Emma.
1: Okay. Yeah. Kaylee, Kaylee McEwen. And she left to go to, the safer coach, um, which is Michael Bull. So I think it's, it's, it's really fascinating to me how this big migration has gone and where everybody has chosen. I mean, I guess in a little bit we've seen that in the U.S. with swimmers gravitating to Bob Bowman. Um, but, you know, the, you know, when you look at Caleb Dressel and Katie Ledecky and Natalie Hens, they go to the hot hands. They all went to, to Anthony Nesty, who's not a new coach but he's definitely more the the hot hand than sort of the known quantity. Yeah. I've been doing this for multiple yeah. cycles,
2: but at the same time, so we we saw Meg Harris and Matthew Temple move to Peter Bish Bishop, uh, South Australia, Marion, um, Kyle Homer's coach. So it's the same thing. Like Meg Harris was actually with Michael bull and she has since moved away from him. So I think it's, it's many, many different parts. You know what I mean? I don't think it's everyone to bowl. I think it's, a lot of people just trying different things and, you know, kind of wanting to go with where it fits both lifestyle, mental health and in the pool.
0: Yeah. I also feel like that might be a COVID effect, right. Of the the fifth year, everyone was stuck in this two-year Olympic cycle and, you know, coming out of it, I just want something new. I just want something fresh. Maybe. I've been with my coach for a long time and swimming is dull to me at this point because I've had to like just grind through these last two years. I want something to change it up. So that, that might be a reason as well for why we've seen okay. so much movement, um, both in Australia and the U S really. So that's our main news for today. And now it's time to play sink or swim. On today's sink or swim, Loretta will be moderating yeah. while Braden and I duke it out for three rounds of NCAA college fun loretta
2: yes so i'm not the ncaa expert but i'm super excited to moderate this okay so first up we have alex walsh announced her ncaa schedule specifically the gold medal mill 2 a.m 4 a.m to fly can she go three for three sink or swim
1: i'm gonna sink it i think she can sweep the ims you know what i'm changing my mind i'm gonna swim (laughs) it Um, obviously she can win the 200 IM, um, you know, Kate Douglas or somebody else could beat her, but that's, it's not a stretch to say she's going to win the 200 IM because she won it last year, uh, 400 IM. She's number one in the country. Um, Virginia right now has the three fastest yard swimmers in the NCAA. Um, Ellen Walsh's converted time kind of sits, interrupts that party a little bit, um, from short course worlds but you know, I don't think, I don't think they'd put her in the 400 IM if they didn't think she could beat her teammates. It just, it just doesn't feel like the move to make. Um, and the 200 fly is a really deep field, but there's not, there's not like an obvious hammer that she's got to chase. Like, I feel like I feel like by stepping into the 200 fly, all of those 200 butterflies are immediately chasing her, which I know is going to be unpopular because it's it's not like a disrespect to the to the swimmers who did well last year. But she is the biggest pure talent in that race as soon as she steps into it.
0: And for that reason, I'm sinking it.
1: Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think she can
0: take both IMs. The 400 IM is obviously newer territory for her, but I, I mean, like you said, she's such a talent, and I she's been training. I I was at UVA. I'm talking to Blair, her coach. I'm talking to her about it. It's like she's been putting in the base work for this, but the 200 fly takes more than talent, and <laughs> uh, I th- I think the thorough, the, the, the swimmers who have been training for it, Olivia Carter, Dakota, Luther, Olivia Bray, um, Kelly Pash, I think is going to be in the mix, but I think they will have that little extra oomph on day four of NCAA's that final session. It is a long meet. It's a lot. And Alex will have a lot more swims than those other girls under her belt by that point. So I think it'll be close. I don't think Alex is getting it in the two fly.
1: She also has a lot more Olympic medals under her belt than
0: <laughs> Yeah, one.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we will see. Infinity
2: time All right. <laughs> so, still on the college vein, because Stanford women beat Cal, does that mean they're going to keep it close with Virginia at NCAA's? What say you?
1: Um, I'm sinking it. You know, I think. I think. <laughs> This was probably Stanford's best meet of the year. Reagan's 150 and the 200 back especially was a very, very good swim. Um, We've been waiting for Stanford to kind of show us all year some signs of life, and I think they definitely did that. But Virginia, when you start looking through rankings, like I said, top three times in the country in the 400 IM, that's not like the race that you think of when you think Virginia, and they still have the top three times in the country. I just think that Virginia has overwhelming depth. Kate Douglas it looks fine after whatever happened where she missed the midseason invite. Um, it, she's they, they're just good. And they're firing on all cylinders. I don't know. Stanford's got so much talent, but I don't, I don't know if they have enough talent this year um, to challenge Virginia, maybe next year when Claire Curzon shows up, but I don't think they're going to do it this year. Well,
2: so we I'm say keep it close. Good. So, you know, Keep it close, right? And for that
0: reason, I I'm think swimming it.
2: Close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keep swimming it. yeah.
0: <laughs> I I think they can keep it close because of that top end talent. I think all their stars are going to show up, and I think they'll get a little boost from those next level swimmers who have maybe had a little NCAA experience before. They kind of know how it rolls, and uh, I think I think they're going to jump up in the rankings. They can keep it close. And then who knows, maybe UVA DQs a relay. We've seen the top team You're do right. it before. Yeah. And then boom, it's a meet <clears throat> What's close, At 20 to 30 points. Wow. Are I think, it think they be more, can be within take 20 to 30
1: points. I'm going to take the over. I think it'll be more than that.
2: Okay. So let's run through the conference championship. So it looks like Florida is in control of SEC men's, even without Bobby Fink due to COVID protocols. But what about the SEC women?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's a two-team battle between Tennessee and Alabama. Um, it's kind of weird to not have Georgia up in that mix. Um, I think it's going to be Tennessee based on depth. I think Alabama is going to score more points at NCAAs, but I think it's Tennessee at SECs.
0: I'm liking how Alabama's looking this year. They had a red-hot midseason. Margot Gear really looks like she knows what she's doing and in control of this team. And uh, I kind of I like their chances at upsetting Tennessee, even though on paper they definitely have the depth. But I'm going, I'm going, bam,
1: roll tide.
2: Mm. All right. Moving on to Big Ten women. Brayden.
1: This, I can't pick against Ohio State again. We've done it the last two years, and we've been wrong both times. Um, you know, the, the new Big Ten rules makes their depth a little less valuable, but I don't think a whole lot. I think Ohio state's going to surprise everybody who picks against them again. And they're going to take the three Pete.
0: I'm making the same mistake. Third time's the charm. So
1: you don't have to read the comments. So,
0: so Michigan, here we go. Maggie McNeil is just too good at swimming this year to, to let her team not win. Maggie she's McNeil. been, she's been this
1: Sorry. The fight in Maggie McNeil's.
0: <laughs> she's get. She's gonna do it. She's gonna lift Michigan up on her shoulders and push them to victory. The whole
1: shoulders.
2: All right. So ACC wise, it looks like Virginia's in control of the women. But what about the men then? Okay, Coleman, you go first. Oh
0: no! Uh-huh. Yeah. ACC take who you men. You
1: You said you were gonna take. <laughs> Psych.
0: No, I think. God, I think Louisville can repeat. Oh, I think they surprise. I think they surprised everyone last year, and I think that they are really good at doing that. And uh, <laughs> once they've gotten a taste for blood as champions, I don't think they're going to let it go easily, even with NC State's massive freshman class.
1: But you know who recent has the most recent taste for blood? the NC state Wolfpack men, thanks to their prodigious victory in Fortnite <laughs> over the university of Florida. And for that reason, I am taking NC state to win the ACC title
0: for no other reason aside that they're good at fortnight.
1: If it comes down, look, you saw the video. It came down clutch three kills at the end to win. Uh, <laughs> if it comes down to, to the the, the final day at ACC's and they've got to get three wins to win the meet. They're going to get those three wins. NC state for the W
0: <laughs> we'll see okay, about based that. i on
2: Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: I, I'm, I'm doing a bonus. I'm curious. So NC, NC state and Florida, who do you men's teams? Who do you think will place higher at NCAAs?
1: Oh, that's such a good one. Um, I, I, God, NC State just feels so deep. Like even without Noah Pon- Ponte, like they still feel like they've just got all these swimmers in little corners of events.
0: They do, um, but what's that going to mean in NCAA's, right? I mean, can they can they get people in B finals? Can they? How many realistic A finals are they going to have? Whereas Florida, they've got studs. You know, they've got like bona fide studs.
1: I guess we don't know how long Bobby Fink is going to be out of the water with this COVID thing, but it's still a while till NCAA's. So I'm going to take Florida, you talked me into it. Really I think <laughs>
0: my hot take for this is I think Bobby Fink is missing SEC so he can start his taper early. He needs that big of, he needs that monster of a taper so that he can go under 14 minutes at NCAA's in the mile. <laughs>